White Sox fans, welcome to the 35th and Shield Podcast. My name is Patrick Flowers, and I will be your host. Before we get going here, I'm going to take a minute or two and talk about what exactly the 35th and Shield Podcast is going to try to accomplish. Uh, over the past six years, I've had the privilege of creating, collaborating, and providing White Sox and Chicago sports content with some of the most talented creators around for some pretty fantastic outlets. Uh, some of you may know, last fall, I opened up a baseball and softball training facility in the western suburbs of Chicago, and I was unable to commit in full to creating content or managing a larger scale platform anymore. So I moved on from the Loop Sports, which was my most previous outlet. It was a Chicago sports platform that I founded with Owen Schoenfeld and uh, Anders Johansson and worked with some really great people along the way. Um, but of course, the itch to create and engage in the Chicago sports landscape, and particularly the White Sox landscape, has never really went away. So I decided to try something to try and dip my feet back into creating content and talking about the White Sox, and I came up with the 35th and Shields podcast. It's a Chicago White Sox podcast, but it's a little different, because instead of me just rambling to you every week or bi-weekly, um, my thoughts on the White Sox, what I'm going to do is get the help of the White Sox social community, which is a tight-knit and intelligent community, whether you're on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, uh, any social platform in which White Sox fans assemble to discuss their team, there's talent, and there's and they're smart people that deserve to have a voice and uh, be involved in the conversation. So I'm going to host the show, I'll direct the content, uh, and I'll just steer it, but you know, very often, I'm going to be calling on some of the brightest minds in Sox Twitter and social media to come onto the show and provide their opinions and their insight to all of the listeners. So I'm not just talking about writers and bloggers, but I'm, I'm going to talk to White Sox minds whose thoughts are housed you know, on their personal social media platforms or you know, White Sox fans that uh, run uh, intelligent Facebook or Reddit Sox communities, for example. And this show is just going to all around be a heavily fan interactive show and we've got a dedicated text and voicemail line uh, that we're going to use to read and answer and interact with texters and callers on a regular basis uh, so the number is going to be in our twitter bio it'll be on the podcast homepage in the podcast episode description uh, you can shoot us a text drop us a voicemail anytime we want to hear all your white Sox thoughts and opinions uh, we want to hear ideas and suggestions for the content, the direction of the show, potential guests that you might want to hear from, and, and anything White Sox related. All right, first up on today's episode, we're going to talk about Eloy Jimenez and a brief part of this conversation with MLB Network and MLB.com reporter John Morosi at the International Showcase on Monday afternoon in Arizona. Uh, when Morosi caught up to Jimenez, he asked him about the potential of Eloy eventually transitioning into a designated hitter role with the White Sox and uh, on a full-time basis and abandoning the outfield, to which Eloy pretty much scoffed at, said that he finds the idea of being a designated hitter on a full-time basis boring and that he wants to stay in the outfield. Um, and I think this is a really interesting topic because... As the White Sox approach the thick of the offseason here and begin to shape the roster, which is supposed to be one that's 
creeping towards competitiveness in 2020 and beyond, the structure of the outfield is something to watch. You know, right now we look at it and say we have a hole in right field, but with how poorly Eloy looked in left field in 2019, how long is it before we also have a hole in left field? Um, we also have a hole at designated hitter for this winter right in front of us. And we know that. We know that the designated hitter position last year and years previous to that for the White Sox has been kind of a black hole of production, just a dead spot in the lineup. And if Eloy's defensive shortcomings are going to be a long-term issue, you have to ask yourself, why not transition him into the designated hitter role sooner rather than later instead of spending money on a designated hitter this offseason? And despite Eloy's um, insistence that he doesn't want to be a designated hitter and he wants to stay in left field, it's just really not possible for two reasons. Reason number one is that he's so bad in the outfield that he actually got himself hurt playing the outfield in 2019. We saw on April 27th when he suffered the high right ankle sprain that sidelined him until May 20th. That was because he went up to try to rob a home run that eventually landed in the Sox bullpen and landed awkwardly jamming his ankle into the outfield wall. The whole play just looked awful from the get-go, and that cost him a significant amount of time early on in his rookie year when he was trying to get acclimated. Then we saw again in July at Kauffman Stadium against the Royals. He's running a ball down to his left into the left center gap, and he collides with Charlie Tilson, and he misses... Uh, some more games, 11 games that time he missed. He spent a uh, stint on the 10-day IL. So out of 161 possible games, because remember the White Sox lost a game to rain on the tail end of the schedule, at least 39 of those games were lost for Eloy because of injuries he sustained in the outfield that were directly a result of him not being a competent outfielder whatsoever. Aside from the injuries, he was just bad. I mean, he had a negative 11 defensive run saved over the course of 967 and two-thirds innings. He had a negative 5.1 UZR, and he just looked bad consistently. I mean, he made routine plays look not routine, and he rarely made the exceptional play when it was presented to him. So while I understand that at just 22 years old, there's the theory that Eloy will improve in the outfield. And then I also understand that there's the theory of does the coaching staff in the front office uh, want to aggravate him by moving him into a role that he's now openly expressed to the media that he doesn't want anything to do with. At the end of the day, you have to protect Eloy from himself for the betterment of the team. And that's going to mean transitioning him into the designated hitter role sooner rather than later. I would have to imagine that the White Sox coaching staff and front office has already had these same thoughts 
and it's going to be interesting to see how this offseason plays out because if they don't pursue a designated hitter, a full-time designated hitter, like we all believe that they are and should, to me, that indicates that this is already an internal conversation and they're not willing to sink money into a designated hitter when they know that they're just going to move Eloy into that role in the very near future. On the flip side, if they do go after a full-time designated hitter and sink money into and years into that player, then you have to believe that they're either not having this conversation internally or they are having the conversation internally and they've decided that they're not going to do it just yet. Either way it ends up playing out, as far as I'm concerned, I just think that Eloy playing in the outfield is a recipe for disaster. So I hope that this is a discussion going on internally, and I hope that we see the White Sox take a stance and begin this transition sooner than later. Because it's it's inevitable. Why wait? He's not providing you any value defensively. He's only hurting you defensively. Um, so just keep the kid healthy. Go get a better defensive outfielder. Save your money on a on a full time DH this offseason. Move him there, and you kill a couple birds with one stone. All right, let's keep things in Arizona and let's jump over to the GM meetings and talk about Kenny Williams telling the media that the White Sox are here to do business as usual, and then almost immediately contradicting himself and saying, well, not usual, more than usual. Uh, Kenny, Kenny, Kenny. Here's all I'm going to say on those comments by Kenny Williams and Kenny Williams in general. Kenny, please, stop talking. Every time Kenny Williams opens his mouth to the media, he creates confusion and makes the rest of the front office look incompetent. Please, Kenny, play some golf and stop talking to the media. You're just making things worse. Nobody in the White Sox fan base wants to hear you talk about business as usual, not business as usual, business more than usual. We just want to see it. We're tired of hearing. It's year four of the rebuild, and we want to see results. So just stop talking. Stop feeding the media, the company line, it's not working. It's just aggravating everybody. Do yourself a favor. Do the rest of your front office mates a favor and be quiet. Stick them with the theme of people who probably need to do a little less talking. Let's talk about MLB Network's resident former general manager, Jim Bowden, who took to Twitter to opine that the White Sox would be interested in landing Anthony Rendon to play third base, moving on Makata back to second base, and then trading Gold Glove winner Yomer Sanchez. Couple things there, Jim. First of all, Rendon's going to be one of the two highest paid free agents this winter. The White Sox are historically frugal under Jerry Reinsdorf with giving out money. And the White Sox have multiple holes to fill 
to make them competitive moving forward in 2020 and beyond. So to think that they would invest probably all of their allotted spending money this winter from Jerry Reinsdorf on landing Rendon to play third base after Yohan Moncada had a breakout year, both offensively and defensively, at third base, and then move Moncada back to second base, a position where he struggled offensively and defensively the year prior, and then essentially block Nick Madrigal because the inf- you know, you'd have Rendon at third, and you'd have Anderson at short, and you'd have Moncada at second. It's just crazy. It, everything about that is crazy. The money on Rendon, where it could be spent elsewhere, in multiple places. The the theory that they would move Moncada back to second base, and the theory that in doing so those things, they would then block the first-round draft pick from two years prior that has absolutely tore his way through the minor league system and is on track to make his debut in 2020 is crazy. That makes sense to nobody inside the city of Chicago. I I just wish that the national media would take a little more time to do their research before they take to Twitter and they take to television to talk about things like this. let's, Let's go back to last week on MLB Network when Greg Amsinger threw out the magical Cease plus plus maybe it was either one or two other guys, but magical and Cease is the headliners in exchange for Mookie Betts, who's essentially a one-year rental. That's crazy. These these, these off-the-wall crazy ideas that, that people outside of the Chicago media are, are throwing around is, I mean, just unprofessional, really. It, it, it's bad reporting. I mean, it's do your homework. Do better. Please do better. Do some research. Look at who's on the roster. Look at who's in the minor leagues coming up behind these guys. This isn't that hard. The off season, the hot stove season, the rumor season is already grinding and taxing enough on the fan base. We don't need all these crazy theories being thrown around. But not everybody on the national landscape is getting it utterly and completely wrong. John Morosi, who we already talked about earlier in the episode, in his conversation with Eloy Jimenez, also reported on Monday that the White Sox, as well as the Angels and the Padres, were among teams thought to be interested potential suitors for starting pitcher Zach Wheeler. Uh, according to Morosi, Wheeler is set to decline the qualifying offer that the Mets offered him. He's going to hit the open market. And according to Morosi, he's going to be uh, top three starting pitching option, which I agree with because you got Strasburg, Cole, whatever order you want to put him in, um, and then then you got Zach Wheeler, uh, and then below him you have your Bumgarners, your Odorizis, and and other guys that I, I 
would just consider a step below Zach Wheeler. I think when you price yourself out of Garrett Cole and Steven Strasburg, which the White Sox will, uh, if they want to address all the needs they have, I think Zach Wheeler is your number one potential front-end starter that's available on the market this year. So the report that the White Sox are interested in him and potential suitor for him is excellent news for White Sox fans. I think Zach Wheeler was in a lot of people's offseason plans. He was in my offseason plan in one of the realistic scenarios. And I would love to see how that progresses. Another thing we saw last week, this was more on a local front, um, but there was a report that the White Sox were also going to be pursuing right fielder Nicholas Castellanos. Excellent. Awesome. I love Castellanos. I think he played above what he's capable of with the Cubs after they acquired him at the trade deadline. But I'll take Detroit Castellanos or somewhere in the middle between Detroit Castellanos and Cubs Castellanos at a reasonable price to go play right field for the White Sox for the next couple years, especially if Eloy eventually transitions into designated hitter and you find a better defensive uh, left fielder. Because the one thing that gives me pause about the White Sox trying to acquire Castellanos is Eloy in left, Castellanos in right, and then Angle and eventually Luis Robert in center. Both of those guys are fine, but man, is that a fairly ugly corner outfield defensive set. So excited that they're going to add another bat, potentially, like Castellanos to the lineup. But if they do, I would imagine that it would have to be in the thought process that uh, Eloy's going to make a transition to designated hitter sooner or later because they can't. They have to shore up the outfield defense on the on the opposite side, in the opposite corner of Castellanos if that's their the direction they're going to take. Before I get out of here, I want to remind you guys that you can find us on Twitter at thirty fifth underscore shields, and don't forget to. Leave us a text message or leave us a voicemail on our dedicated text and voicemail line. It's 312-728-8213. Again, that's 312-728-8213. Give us your thoughts and opinions on this week's episode, White Sox happenings of the current week, and content, ideas and suggestions, guest suggestions, anything you can think of, anything White Sox related. Send us a text, leave us a voicemail, and we'll talk soon. Thanks for listening.